0: When we asked Tal, or I asked Tal, to come back to give a talk, you were very, in a sense, generous. You said, well, you know, we will just talk and please gather some images. I really don't care because it's my art. I know my art. So just put together something that we can talk around. So you actually have no idea what uh, images are going to be presented here in a little while. And so as a starting point, this is not rehearsed, which I think is the way you like it. I thought we'd just start looking through the images and, you know, see what happens. And uh, the first image that we have up here is from just, it's kind of a bizarre thing to put up images in one space of images that is in the room just next to it. This is the exhibition Old Confused that opened just, what is it now, six weeks ago, something like this. And on the first day, the first people who came here to see the show which usually is the press, and it was also the case for this show, you started out speaking about embarrassment, to my surprise.
1: Yeah, I think somebody asked how I felt when I looked at the exhibition, and the first thing that came into my mind was this kind of embarrassment. But on the other hand, I think very few feels. You can say embarrassment is also a quality. I mean, somehow I like artwork when they kind of greet you, they pull you towards them. But then they kind of melt like an ice cream on a summer day. You cannot really get them. Or in Maybe that's a way to defend myself when I say that I feel embarrassment. I think that's probably quite okay.
0: Yeah, I was surprised when you said that. But of course, at the same time, I understand what you were talking about. Also, we spoke a lot at that time about uh, the title of the show, Old Confused. And what we could get into that, what the different meanings to you, what that means. Yeah, the,
1: the Old Confused has kind of two tracks. One is more kind of easy. It's like, since I'm a painter, although I do a lot of different things that just with oil on a canvas, most of my experience comes from painting. And painting is somehow something that if you take it from an kind of intellectual point of view, it's easy to, to say painting is something old and very confused. Just throw it out, do something else. There are a lot of good, actually the people who argue that painting is over and painting is old-fashioned, I understand all these arguments. On the other hand, in the middle of, you know, the weakness of the so-called painting, it also has really a possibility. It's just always weak and therefore it always has a chance to talk to people and also something else because of this old history. When you do a painting, you know how people, they place themselves and you know that they have this whole baggage of, on one hand, education, but on the other hand also a lot of kind of ideas about what a painting should be like. So it's like you know which game you are going to play with people, if you could call it a game. It's like we have a ball and it's not like, okay, it's a tennis, football. We know exactly it's ping pong we're going to have. So for this I think it's quite excellent for certain kind of communication. On the other hand, it is old and confused. It's something that gone like the bicycle that you know, the old fashioned bicycle that has this big wheel and a small wheel. Nobody would really only if you're an exotic person you would ride on those. On the other hand, a lot of the material that I use, I never work like this, you know, I'm not a library artist. I never do kind of research. Like say if I'm into ships, then I go and do research in a library. I usually work with things that kind of keep pulling my leg, something that I simply have to go back to, something that almost have a certain force on me. And that's also something I call old and confused, certain kind of information, images, history, personal history, just general history that keeps coming back on me. And I call this also old confused because it doesn't want to, it's like a zombie. It doesn't really want to die. It keeps coming back and pulling my leg. So the show has these two kind of meaning. One is kind of a discussion about painting. The other thing is about the material that is pulled through the painting. Can I speak a little bit more now? I just remember a few things. Go. It's everybody's here for you. <laughs> <laughs> and you can also just ask if
0: I speak too long.
1: You also, just, you have the
0: microphones. And, 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 you're the loudest. And,
1: and find a polite way to stop me. Just ask something. You know. Now I think it's like this. There is always like a trap when you're dealing with painting. And the trap is that you get into this painting and then you get into this whole thing about painting. And after a while, you are somebody who are into painting and you start arguing that painting is only about painting. Some way, it's true. But on the other hand, if you want to make great paintings, you can't approach it from the point of just being into painting because no good painting comes out of this. Actually, good paintings come out of two different things that doesn't really like each other. One thing is just this paint. And the history of painting. The other thing is like personal experience, ideas, feelings, whatever. What's your kind of in your pocket, in your back. These two things don't like each other because personal stuff or ideas are not so aesthetic. They are demanding in a different direction than if you just look at painting alone. So what you spend a long time with when you're dealing with art is actually combining these two things. I I think I can imagine that there's quite a few art students here. And everybody takes, you know, you always take for granted that doing art is about expressing your ideas, feelings, emotions, concepts, whatever. But actually you spend a long time trying to develop a link between these two things. It's not so simple. It's very simple when you're small because there are no difference between your ideas and what you do with your ideas. But then you actually, by good reason, you spend a long time destroying this natural bridge between your ideas and what you're doing. And then you try to create it again. So what you actually spend a long time is to kind of connect these two confusing things. The old confused painting and the confusing material. And they don't like each other. But on the other hand, what makes really great movement in a painting, when you really see a great painting that has like just unpredictable steps. I remember a long time ago, I used to call it unpredictable steps on the dance floor. Like just somebody dancing in a weird... You say, okay, this way is weird. It's even out of rhythm. But this This kind of steps have something. It's always because the other old confused. The ideas, the material make certain demands. Okay? That was a long one.
0: Fine. Well, when we were starting to talk, it was, I guess, somehow from a viewpoint of of you as a painter, for me as well, like whenever that was a bit over a year ago, some like a a fall when you came here, we looked at the spaces and all these things. And then... There was this, uh, f- for me as the person that you worked with here at Magazine 3, there was this crucial moment of, of seeing the show that you did at Victoria Miro in spring, where I was just seriously blown away by all these new sculptures that you had made. And I was, of course, aware of, of certain sculptures that you had made in the last couple of years, the aluminum sculptures and all these things. And then, to me, quite interestingly, I was speaking to you about these sculptures, and I, and I was wanted to make, you know, let's make something that is about everything that you do right now. And at that time you were like, well either we do a sculpture show or we do a painting show. Mm. And I was like, oh, okay. And there was a whole something going on there for a while where you were also saying, you know, it's the first time in Sweden. It would be really nice to start out with paintings. And and then actually, I sort of kicked myself, but but luckily we didn't do that. In the end, I said to you, well, okay, let's do the painting show because it felt like that's what you really wanted. And I I shouldn't say this, but I, I kind of prefer your sculptures to your paintings. And so... It hurt me to say that, but then somehow you got back and you said, you know what? I'm so tired of of myself and all these things and it was actually the first day of my holiday and you said i don't know exactly how you put it but it's like why don't you make a suggestion or something like this maybe you remember this entirely different from no, me. no but I, I i just would have loved
1: this was like a movie so we could just click and on the screen you can see where i was sitting when we had this talk over the phone yeah because i was lying like this on the beach with my phone say i don't want sh- to see another show done by me I'm exhausted by me. And then I looked at the sea and, you know, and I looked at the sand and then you took over. No, but actually the problem was not so much that I didn't want paintings. Mm. It was more a problem. I didn't want paintings on the wall. And it's it's very simple reason. If you put something on the wall, it's kind of settled. It's like an institution, which has its a lot of advantage. You say, okay, it's here. If you just put it on the floor, you put it on a table, it's... It's it's in discussion. You can still walk around it, move around it. You feel you still have a certain kind of power towards the work. So what I was afraid of was the combination of this kind of statement on the wall and just this material lying around there. And the, on one hand, I was completely into this kind of environment of just letting things lie around and being on these artificial walls because it was like creating an environment for... Now I use the word debate, but if you ask me which debate, I will get very old and confused. But what do you mean, debate? Yeah, he did it. Yeah, sorry. No, I mean, when you place stuff on these plinths in there, you can walk around them. You feel that you can move them still, that there's just place there, so you can still have a certain, as a viewer, discussion with this work in a different way than when it's hanging on the wall. And I was afraid of doing both having these things on the wall. But also, I'm a little bit experienced with that sometime, you know, not only artists, but especially artists, they have a tendency to create their own problems. And these problems create work, but they also create situations where you, you end in a corner where you say you don't want this and you don't want that. And actually, it's just your own thing. So I just said, okay, forget about this problem. Why don't you just make a suggestion? So that's how we did it. Did I answer?
0: Yeah. Sure. I I just realized we've been looking at the two first images and I have like 20 of them and I thought we should speak for maybe a total of 45 minutes so people can ask questions. So we're switching track a bit because I want to talk about, at least mention this. I'm not sure, very, very likely not everyone in this space was at the opening evening of this exhibition or, or maybe everyone was, that would be a miracle, but... On that evening, we staged a performance with Tal and his friends in the, the Moon Spoon label. And uh, it was an evening that was called California. It's probably better if you talk about Moonspoon Spoon. Yeah, maybe me.
1: I start talking about financial crisis. <laughs> okay. So in the last 24 hours, two different people talked about financial crisis. One, yesterday evening, I have a son who's nine who said, is there still this, what is it called, financial crisis? We said, yes. And then today, somebody who is really in the finance world, uh, they also talked about it. And, you know, you listen to this. And then I said, in this context with these people who are really, who really understand what this means, financial crisis, I said, okay, I believe in something that's probably a bit naive, but I still believe in it. And that's underneath what we call economy. There is like an atmosphere that moves, that is a kind of a very strong thing. An atmosphere that a lot of people are kind of moved by or move into. So this is like the donkey. Actually, the economy is not really a donkey. It's just moved by this and then it also hits the economy. I would love to believe that there is something moving that's above economy. Why I mention this is because the whole atmosphere the last five years has been like, for me, not getting an idea, just doing all these different ideas. Which means that I did one thing, then I stretched to the other, stretched to the next. No time to explain why, no time to ask why. It's all too slow. All this explanation is just slow and usually you just need them to either explain your mother in law or just explain yourself why you're doing what you're doing. So for the last five years, explain later, just do it. Do here there, stretch until there. So one of the large stretch have been to this moonspoon thing. Which basically started as a fashion label in a way. You you could say more like costumes, but we think of it as a fashion label. The only thing is we also, from the very beginning, created the end of this thing because we said we're going to do 99 different items, which mean different shirts, suits, shoes, hats, whatever, and only 99 of each, which makes a total of only 10,000, which is very little. So in a few years it's over and there will exist 99 different kinds of costumes. I was, from the beginning, very much in love with the catwalk. So the catwalk is a very contemporary, realistic thing. You walk up, you walk down, you get off. I thought it was like, from a completely different point of view, cruel, but also very touching. Walk this way, turn around, walk the other way. But then after a while, we, we extended it to different kinds of performances, to films, and to this performance. This performance was called California. And it was a quite simple idea. The clown, which are lying in there, like brown it clown. An image of them would be walking around in this arena and uh, we kind of imagine him like the embodiment he was like impersonating of like old history you could even say old europe and he was like walking around so heavy of his own history that you know and also full of self-pity and then came in these 25 more young than young roller skaters in clothes made of patchwork but in these kind of pastel colors in a way patchwork no not patchwork that's wrong quilt in a way, quilt goes this way and pastel goes that way. So it's something that you don't really combine. Quilt is usually something you have in a summer house. It's something to do with the old days and grandma. And it's something that you enjoy. And pastel is something that goes the other way. So there was this kind of mix of this element. And in the beginning, these roller skaters just rolled around like in, the, in rollerball. Just go around, around. And clown was kind of trying to go one way or the other. And in the end, they all take these cakes and just throw them in the face of all Europe. And they should be like California, the new world, the new horizon. So it's a mix of that has this kind of cruel thing to it. Rude, you can say. But it starts like something just beautiful and enjoyable. And, and the music was also kind of awkward. And it the end that the clown is just full of this cake and just overrun by California.
0: You know, what was really interesting in this process when we were working was that, you know, the exhibition didn't take two days. In some way, I mean, you prepared for years. I mean, all the work in there, all these ideas and thoughts and hours, and then we worked here. But then we got together in two days in there, which was super enjoyable. You brought some great music that was running all day and everyone was doing their thing. We were about six people in there mm. and then the show was there. And it's up for, I don't know, three months. Mm. And this was the exact opposite. Yeah. You guys did it all and there were some some people involved. And then the whole thing lasted, what, six minutes? Yes, it was six minutes. Mm. So I mean the time spent and how you could take it in is exact opposite in these two things. True. I mean it's it's kind of maybe self evident, but weird really, because we spent in the end we spent more time on this, and it was shown in for six minutes. Mm. Those people who who had li- too much to drink before this, they didn't even see it. Mm. This goes back, and I thought it'd be interesting to hear from you, uh, you know, just about your painting. Actually, mm. I mean this goes back. I don't know. This is like maybe 2,000 or something, two paintings.
1: Yeah, if you, the one with the riders, it's like bikers coming down, and they're coming like from their riding. And uh, yeah, in this painting, I think it was one of the first time I kind of took advantage of the education of the viewer. Because as a viewer, you are, you know that if something is small, it means it's far away. So you are able to read this in a way that it doesn't really happen, that you know they're coming from far away and they're getting closer and closer. But getting back to disappointment, you it's like such a thin line to this kind of perspective. It's like this perspective doesn't work. And then you might say, yeah, but they are not far away because it's wrong. But even if it was right, it was still wrong. It's just a certain education that lasted for the last 400 years about central perspective and all these things. So I like that the painting is just on the border of collapsing. Because you, you are so friendly, all of you. You're so helpful. You say, okay, we understand what he means. On the other hand, doing it like this, it opens up for different kind of ways to enter the work. These kind of places where you get in from the side. I, it was, there's something that I remember about this painting because at, at that time I'd, I, it's like three meter high. I didn't have a room with that height, so I had to paint it like this. And when you see the painting in flesh, you will see that the drops, they also fall to the side because the painting was painted like this. The other one is kind of a mountain. It's a man lying in bed and creating his own mountain creating his own sphere, his own tent. I think most people know what this tent is. But the the thing is, the more explicit this kind of word gets, the less it actually has to do about this. It's more about, you know, a kind of a a private room, a personal room, your own mountain, your own space, your own mind. In a way, this is kind of just, this kind of maleish own mind. Not necessarily a sexual mind. It's just, it could be. Maybe it is. Maybe it's part of it. But it's just this kind of, tent this kind of black tent that it creates in there where thing comes from also these kind of painting were the first where i was able because for many years a painting for me was like i would do a canvas i would have an idea i want to paint a train getting into a tunnel then i would start and it wouldn't work and i would just destroy it but quite slowly and in a very kind of constructive way i would just let it collapse on its own i would just say okay fine you can't do it tell just let it disappear but slowly not aggressive, just let it disappear as something. And then after a while, I think as almost like a coincidence, I found out that if I create this kind of color feeder at the bottom, whatever I do on the canvas would always get this kind of physical reality that I was actually looking for. That whatever I do, because I don't really like this kind of painter space where everything is just like this. I wanted to have kind of the idea that it's the same for all of you, like, you know, gravity, horizontal, vertical, so I found out this kind of line, just whatever I do then, what I like, I don't like the painter's space as the thing you see. I like the painter space as the things you experience, which means when you look at something that's quite concrete, then the experience should be kind of more abstract, more like get lost there. But the entrance should be something everybody can recognize. You know, a bed, an erection, somebody doesn't know about erection, raise your hand now. Okay, so very general. And then I found it just works. This kind of structure to having this kind of line there, and it still works. And if some day it won't work, I just take it out again.
0: Does this feel like a long time ago for you? Do you or do you?
1: Yeah. I think if you ask me t- two or three years ago, I would feel it was a very long time ago. But now it, it's not so long ago. It's like I think maybe certain things about the biker painting is very long time ago. It's more certain elements there
0: this is just two years later
1: yeah so the material for this painting comes from a a record cover from the 70s there was this great uh, girl band called Ch- they usually they were called chanel but they were not allowed to be called chanel so they called them shit and chanel which was such a beautiful name and it like real 70s and in this inside, in this cover, there was these like five, six women standing there with long hair, looking like really powerful. On the other hand, those are the women I was, you know, after school when you went to this kind of different daycare or even in school, those were the women we were educated by in the seventies. These kind of wearing these special kind of long clothes and barefooted, and um so there was in a way, uh, I call it sisters of Kolboynik probably because I wanted to twist it away from this 70s thing. Kolboinig is a kind of a Hebrew word from trash. Like when you are eating, everybody just put what they don't eat in the same box and it's called a kolboinig. So kind of I imagine that these kind of sisters, they rise out of this kind of collective memory or just rising because they don't want to go to rest. And then I put them in this kind of fairy tale landscape of mushrooms and plants and trees Kind of just walked out of whatever mummy or something.
0: Also at the same time, but, but.
1: <laughs> no, the the one on top is um, is from completely from the same kind of groups of painting. In the it's from a group of drawings. I did two different group of drawings. One was called Bauhern, the backyard, which was all drawing that I imagine that you have a house, you have what goes on in the house, in the front garden, and more interesting in the backyard. It's a more private place, like the subconsciousness of, of this whole thing called the house. And the next group was more me trying to remember concrete rooms or more abstract rooms. So I would imagine, so my old ceramic teacher in school, how would I imagine her room would look like? And when she was there, all alone, taking a nap, not doing ceramics or going to some kind of yoga lesson, how would she be resting? And then, you know, you would have to imagine the lamp she had, the different things on her floor, the mess around, the posters, the loudspeakers. And part of this game is, again, going back to the very first thing about being a library artist or not a library artist, is you ask yourself, you want to draw a loudspeaker. You say, okay, how does a loudspeaker look? Then you say okay maybe I should go and look how does a loudspeaker look but actually the information you have when you need something when you imagine something is always enough it's just like practicing just digging into you know the first impulse is always enough don't go look for too much information just get you confused so i would just imagine different friends or neighbors loudspeaker and remember and what i needed for the drawing was exactly what i could remember So drawings are full of these kind of misunderstandings because I just misunderstood what I saw. On the other hand, if I would make research, the point from the drawing would just disappear. It would just be another loudspeaker. So what I did, you know, for the last 10 years is usually it's like, again, these homemade problems. You bump into a certain problem and then you create a tool to solve this homemade problem. You create a tool and when you use this tool to solve the problem, you throw the tool away. So in this one, I had these kind of problems with a lot of things. Like, for instance, hands and feet. All these details, I, I, I didn't know how to handle them in a painting. You could say in another way, I didn't believe in them in the painting. Like from an, the education that I chose and I didn't choose. The sum of this whole education, I didn't believe hands and feet in a painting. I could at least, I could do something like, and say, okay, this is a, this is a foot. And I again, I would hope that the viewer would be friendly and say, okay, he means a foot. Although it's just a big pile of paint, okay, we understand, he means a foot. So what I did is that I glued all these layers of paper, I think one, two, three, four, five, six layers, seven layers of painting that works a bit like clothes, like with Richard, if he wouldn't put his shirt into his pants and it would just be out there, you lift it, there's something under, so you would have these layers, that means if I would draw a person, every time I hit a line, I could for good reason just change the figure a bit, and I could kind of get around the bush with having problems with different things and figuration, so that was a tool, and then you use this tool a few paintings and then you find out now it's just becoming a style. You don't need really the tool. Throw away, make new problems, create new tools. Mm.
0: And more paintings. I I put a lot of paintings
1: Yeah, I mean, actually, I repeat that this is also from a record cover. It's not actually because I'm so much into music or record in that sense. It's just a coincidence. But this comes from, maybe some of you recognize it. It's like a quite famous funk album. No, it was just, you know, if you're an amateur painter, you first draw it. And then you fill out the areas. Either you are an amateur or you are Andy Warhol. Or if you draw it, you can also ask yourself, so again with the sum of everything you know, what can you actually do with all these areas? Can I do something there? Is there some natural entrance for me to paint like pockets, trousers, plants? What can I actually do with the sum of this education? And then you find out there are certain things you can do and certain things you can't do. And you kind of go into a game where you don't ask so much. You just, like, what can you do and what can't you do? And then you start filling out these different areas. And you try all the time to hit the work where it's natural for you to work, where it's not about the discussion. There's no place. All these wonderful things that we are all raised with, like debate and discussion, which is like what creates a great society. But there's just no time when you do this. There's only time afterwards. There's time before. But when you do the painting... You create an environment where there's absolutely no time for this. You just hook into it with a lot of integrity. So you get to a point where the, you work with the painting in a very natural way. I can't do this. I can do this. What can I do? What put I? What do I put behind? No, this is not possible. There, ding, 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 ding. And in the end, something stands in front of you. You might argue and say, I don't really recognize this painting as something that I like, that is part of my erva, But the painting is standing there, it has its own body and is saying, Hello, I'm here. And do you recognize I'm here and I'm actually quite okay here? Say, okay, f- fine with me. And
0: then then there's a painting. I think what I was trying to do here for a while, and there's some other things that are coming in, it's is all kind of like a progression, you know, from 99, 2000. Mm. And I think we're right. This is very, a very specific group of works as well from three, four years ago.
1: Yeah. Um, so in my studio, I used to have like a mountain, literally a mountain of material. Everything from magazines to cutouts to and just going to Finland finding a magazine for people who work like cleaners and they have their own magazines and then they have images where you see right positions and wrong positions and and you see the new machine you know and you know there's like just tons of these kind of material of There's the more professional material, like if you buy smart magazines, which actually, even if you buy Italian Vogue, there's also a certain naivety. If you kind of walk around and look at it from the side, it's just very naïve, just as naïve as you might argue a magazine for cleaners in Finland could be. But the most interesting material you find in these kind of closed aesthetic rooms. You could say old porn when porn just came, there was no kind of aesthetic laws around it. was just something... Somebody said, there's money in porn, let's do porn. So there was no kind of aesthetic level in it. It was just like weird naked people. But this kind of thing exists in many environments. The first magazines about computers or advertisements for Deutsche Bahn, Nokia telephones. You just move a little bit like this and then you understand how weird they are. Or you understand 100 years. You understand that in 10 years... This is an impossible way of discussing with an audience. It's just something that's possible now. So you just grab this material, you have a mountain of it, and you just say, how can I make some kind of gulash out of this, where I just get rid of it and on the other way place it, which is what you do as an artist. You, you, you kind of just say, thank you for being there, taking it, giving it back. It's actually your basic job. So these kind of collages, I did nine, I used three years, They were done very much, almost like a workshop situation. A lot of different people work. I had a a special studio only for these nine collages. They are huge, and they are full of tons of details, tons of material. And it's a very they're kind
0: of like this, right? This is more or less actual size, or they even I think
1: the size of the whole. Yeah, maybe they are two fifty by two fifty, but they are just they are done like like done by Rain Man or something like this, because they are so detailed. They're so full of small things that you just get lost there. And I really wanted to do it and put a a line in the sand, get the mountain out and just move on. And it was also a way, because actually when I started doing these nine collages, I understood the possibility of this pattern, but also the limitation. In a way, these works are very sugar-like, which means that they are very attractive, but that's also how they kind of, what you call it, when you put your leg in front of your other and you fall. They they have really? the mouthful of sugar and they fall. Because they are so attractive, this work, when you see them for real. But on the other hand, I could use these nine collages to get a lot of people involved, cutting out, finding ideas. And it was for me a possibility to open up a situation with my own students, other people. When people from academy says, can you come? I said, no, you can come to me. And then we worked on this. So a lot of people was involved. Plus I knew, again, financial crisis, that I could sell these quite expensive. So I said, okay, already now. I start using money, making a studio, getting people involved, kind of creating a whole thing around it. Mm. So they were extremely, they took a long time and were very expensive. But it all makes sense as a workshop situation because I was done with this pattern. And anybody you know, I would love other people to pick up this very specific pattern and just do it. But if anybody want to do this like this, they really have to sweat because <laughs> it's a lot of fingers.
0: Mm. It's, the whole series is called Adieu and Péleçon, right?
1: Yes. By interesting
0: well we don't have to it's I have so many images, and uh, I wanted to well, get to some other let 's stop at, here
1: yeah so as in when you when you work with art and when you work with different things, what I talk about is about to finding a like a proper entrance. Richard he was almost like a little bit like shocked that I could work fast, but the way I work is i I look for an entrance, and the moment I walk in there 's no walking back it 's not about should it be there it 's just like I need a very good entrance, a proper entrance that I believe in, and then I walk. The same with paintings. I can go for a long time to find an entrance. Even during the process, I can lose the entrance and I have to reinvent the entrance. But the moment the entrance is there, you walk in. For years, I wanted to do sculpture. Just like if anybody of you says, Oh, I would like to do sculpture, like a superficial desire. I want to do a sculpture. I like sculpture. I want to do a sculpture. Was no way possible for me to work like this. I need to find an entrance. So the story very short. I know we don't have that much time. I was in a hotel room. I bought a pear. This fruit, one of those that you 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 pass by a shop and you see it's just too big. Somebody f- fooled around with this pear. You don't want to eat something big like that, but you want to buy it. You want to put it in your room. You want to watch it every day. And after watching it a few days, you know, in this warm hotel room. The pair was not that attractive anymore. So I just, you know, I just did like this. And then I created this kind of hole in it. You know, honestly, that's what I did. Don't sing other things. And and then, then I understood, okay, now I have one and, a half, one and a half year of work. Because I understood here's a possibility for sculpture. That I don't have to actually invent eyes and nose and stuff. I don't have to even invent a figure. Because again, the audience is so friendly and so educated. I actually just have to walk towards figure. And you will do the rest. So it, uh, that was this time. Actually this time maybe 3-4 years ago. Just after Halloween. So the pumpkins were gone. So I had to walk around in you know, fancy restaurants. Because they used them for decorations. And kind of get them out. But there was also part of it. To find mushrooms. Not mushrooms. <laughs> that's only for the brain. No. To find the pumpkins. When there is no pumpkin. So I found this pumpkin. I went to the studio. I went. Bam, 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 bam. And then quickly. I didn't even have to discuss should this be a bronze or aluminium sculpture because if I didn't do this the sculpture would be rotten three days later. So there was a lot of things that had a proper entrance no discussion of material because there were only few choices that I wanted to translate this very fragile into something that will even be here after a few hundred years. So we cast it and then I started building sculptures out of fruit. Just go buying all these going to all the shops with different kinds of bananas and just creating these sculptures that could only last for a few days and you really quickly have to kind of cast them. From this on, I slowly got out of the fruit thing. I just started creating a studio, a bit the size of this room, just cleaning everything in my house, in friends of mine' house, just cleaning everything, creating an avi- environment where it was not about going out of the studio to find stuff, just going down and picking stuff up and just building these kind of golems or these kind of figures just rising up there and standing there for a few seconds and collapsing again. So it's everything from like shoes and a guitar, wine bottles and... I would go to the supermarket with the intention, what can I get here for sculptures like peanuts, cornflakes, chickpeas, beans. Coffee is great because they get this kind of, you make this surface and when you cast them, you see all, all this kind of small things. All this is casted perfectly. Everyone has a fruit name, but never the one that's on the picture. So if this is a pumpkin, I would call it eggplant because it's the idea of fruits. It's not a portrait of the that specific fruit.
0: This is almost, Yeah, I want to go to this. Actually, then, because now we're in, now the, this is more or less where we are now, mm. and there's well, from what you just described, all those uh, sculptures—that was almost your entrance then into sculpture. It's kind of exploded then yes. in the last couple of years.
1: That was the entrance from the fruits, and then it just I just went going pa 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 pa
0: pa pa. Because I saw, I mean, for instance, in, when I visited you, I saw all these, uh, all the wooden shapes that you've made and that you work on for years. But th- so that's an example of that, the, the clown over there, w- which is...
1: Yeah, I did seven different figures, which is one of them. And it's, oh, it's in there, so I don't have to say it's the size of this. Well, we don't have a
0: clown here. We have an oh, owl.
1: You don't have the clown. Nope.
0: Well, we have a clown, but that's uh, the Moonspoon clown.
1: But how come I'm sure it's standing there? It's because something is wrong here then. No, it's not. No, no, it's fine, it's fine. I
0: assure you, there's no...
1: (laughs) No clown here. (laughs)
0: Nope. So there's an owl.
1: To say about the clown, it's actually very simple. It's so simple that I think every one of you can kind of relate to it. Some friendly people say, is it a snail? And I say, yes, it's a snail. Because you have to understand, I also get embarrassed, you know, if I have to say penis. So It's a penis. And it's a quite sad penis, but it's not called a penis like a pumpkin is not called a pumpkin, but an eggplant. So this is just a clown, a penis who's a clown. And it's so simple, you know, that you can even ask a gymnasium class to write an essay about it. Even without any sexual experience, they could say, we understand what he means, a clown so the two other ones there exist three different ones of these kind of girls these are supposed to be kind of girls that have this small head and they have this big dress and there's this layers upon layers upon layers of clothes and each of them relates to a very specific person the big one is called freda and it's a, a woman i saw for i think i saw her four minutes in a department store in london and she just came to me and she talked you know with this kind of She did her best to speak like perfect English, but you notice not one accent, but quite a few accents in the voice. And you understand again, you know, all this history, all this that you understand behind this friendly face and these colors. There's this person who went from one country to the other one. You understand without knowing that this whole history, so she has to have this size because there's all this history. And if you go under her dress, again, it's like a two twin. It has two tracks to go under somebody's dress. You are in Blicktrum. You remember this movie? Oh, Black Yeah, 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 ah, of
0: course. Well, if you say it in Swedish, a lot of yeah, people yeah. will go, "Oh, okay, yeah." So
1: that's one track. The other track is just again this heavy body of history. All this, all confused. That the only thing that you see is just this voice and this face. And then the face is just made of beer caps, put upon a round wood thing. Why is her head so small? In a way, the head is just kind of the very pinpointer of the work. The whole heavy body and the decoration of the dress and the layers upon layers upon layers is more important. In the end, I didn't want to put like... I want again, you know, I was again trusting, you know, the friendship with the viewer that they say, okay, it's a face. In the end, I just want, and beer caps is just something almost sad to use in art. It has, a, If you can talk about that a certain material, have a, a certain reading, you could say to put beer cap, same with mirror on, a, on, on an artwork, has something very melancholic about it. It's something very urban, something very provincial, something about being here, wanting to be over there.
0: I have a few things I just wanted to touch upon, but maybe just like very, very briefly. And then I wanted to open up. It's like 10 to 8. If there are people here who wanted to, uh, who have really great questions, then you can. Oh, even poor questions, please. (laughs) One thing, but maybe, I don't know if this is stupid. Richard, this is the second clown. You have to
1: explain why we have two clowns here.
0: Well, it's just, uh, actually, I I was looking for an image of an art fair. and You have so many clowns, so it turned up again. It's not, I wanted to ask you about your relation. Actually, I I was, as a suggestion, a couple of images, just a short uh, comment. This is Freeze, I think, this year. How do you feel about that part of the art world?
1: First of all, I hate when artists, they are arrogant about art fairs, because then nobody forced them to participate. And I think, you know, every second year I like to go into one of these art fairs because it's a little bit like looking at art in hell. Because like, no, because no, in a a nice way. Good way. (laughs) Yeah, because it's just like art from being this kind of precious item in your studio, something that means something, that has all these stories. It just becomes an object like, you know, a glass and a bottle. It's just standing objects beside objects. Like, you know, when people are here, we all have these different hats and clothes and identity. Then you just all line up in hell, we're all the same. So an art fair, it's something like this. It's just like one work. And if something survives in an art fair, it must be pretty okay work. Because it's really, really difficult to make a difference in an art fair. Especially if you don't want to kind of make something like break up the floor and do things like this. You just want to place like this bottle here. And people will still respond to it. I didn't go to this art fair, but I think it's a great image, this one. I'm absolutely happy that you, you took this picture.
0: Yeah, well, I think it's interesting to sometimes actually talk about that because it's, yeah. it's such a huge part of the, the uh, an For important sure. part of the art world. Wow. These are prints. Where, where uh, did you take this picture? It, it, I found it on the internet. I've, ne- I've never seen this before. No. It's somebody made it. I mean, you, you actually... You it's from Japan. Well, it could be. I don't know. I was just, you know, it's, it's Google yeah, yeah, yeah. builder, but poof. Oh, so yeah. and it, it popped up. I was actually looking for it because you actually do a lot of, I mean, you print a lot of stuff, mm-hmm. and I just wanted to bring that up because yeah. I, I, there's this image and these. No, images. no, go back, go back. The I know. I good, just wanted some, to, to yeah. show you there's and, and your books. I mean, you print a lot of stuff.
1: Yeah. yeah. This is, you know, this like you have a fridge and you just put stuff on your fridge with these magnets. And I heard a joke about this magnet that the beautiful designer ones you buy that you like to have on your fridge, they always fall down. But the cheap ones you get from a pizzeria, they always stick. (laughs) (laughs) So, but this one has nothing to do with Maunida, but it's this kind of more old-fashioned canvas things where you put a piece of paper and you pin stuff. And I did seven different ones where I put all different things. I did kind of groups of work and I just put it up. We made it like a really, really precise photo of them took down all the material so they only exist as posters and i don't know why somebody did this i think i did an exhibition with these posters in japan and probably when they took them down maybe they just put them like this and made a funny picture and put it on the internet i actually think it's tomio kuyama yeah but it was not i i've never seen it like this before uh, but some of these are in here right yes so for this show I took material that was in the area of the sculptures or that I looked at I had this pile of material and said okay here I see tracks to the to the works there I see that there is some kind of a corresponding thing going on between the posters and the works so I brought stuff here and in a casual way just put it mm-hmm. it's what you would call maculature. you say in Danish it's just when you print something I always ask the printer just keep 20 sheets for me and then I pile them up mm-hmm. so I have a chance and also i needed this material because i made this kind of uh, agreement with richard here that um, that he would kind of install which is something i rarely do but then i knew i had the chance of coming with this kind of material and i could kind of mole mole you say kind of mole my way in to richard's installment and create my path there so whatever he did i could still kind of make my own debate there so that's what i used the material for to create my own path in there
0: it's also prints, right?
1: These are all, all from different it, it's I think it's also a nice way to look at the show in there. It's all different families. I very rarely do one work. I always kind of do like three, five, seven, even nine, twelve. Like the black one there over there is like a series of Leno cuts where I did Certain portfolios of these ones, which are like very simple drawings. That's not. I think that's not so much to say. Oh, maybe
0: you have a question, and then I can answer. But it's just different prints. No, I mean that would because I really wanted kind of to round up. But I have to say it. It's from uh, Hermes, right? Yes. Out on the line because you collect these Hermes scarves, mm-hmm. and so you've made different drawings from yeah. motifs of, of from these uh, like.
1: Just uh, one of the things that I enjoy a lot. It's like these kind of scarves that old women, old women wear, and then I keep in my pocket.
0: The, and these are some of your catalogues. I
1: don't know what happens. oh no, but there, there's something. Maybe if this is like the end of the talk, that I I've been thinking about two things. One thing I've never said loud before, and I'm maybe it's it's just nonsense. And the other thing I'm pretty sure about. So the first thing which I'm more sure about is that. In a way, my entrance doing art was like in the mid middle of the 70s and in the, in the 90s. I found out that I could actually use private things, personal stuff, as an entrance to do work. I think a lot of you already experience the same, that when you have something that's particularly yours in your pocket, it's in the beginning it, you think, how can this be something I can use because it's always just been in my pocket. On the other hand, you find out you have a very, very strong voice with these things. But then after a while, you also find out that private or personal also has a lot of limitation. It's actually in a way holding you back. So in a way, the personal and the private is a really great entrance, but it's not where you stay. You don't stay with all this. You actually just use the private thing to get what I call a proper entrance. After this, you kind of leave it behind. You don't take it so serious. The other thing which I'm not sure about is that I just read a book Where there's this man who argues, he says, cruelty, like if somebody's like real cruel, he says it's something you can actually always understand. You can always understand when somebody's cruel, even the like all the massacres in history. Some people they argue it's some part of history that's not possible to understand. He says, wrong, really, really wrong. These can all be understood. Doesn't exist one cruel thing that you can't kind of in a logic way trace why was it done. And then he argues on the other hand, he says, but to do something like to do something good, like this can actually have no reason. And he gives an example of somebody, they are in a, in a wagon, in a prisoner wagon, and they each get a, some food and he drops his food. This, the guy who writes, then another guy comes and kicks up his food and gives him back his food. And you say, yeah, he's a good guy, you know. In Scandinavia we know about being good, but it's something different really. Because if this guy had two raisins of food, he will double his chance to survive. The other one would die. So the other one he kind of gives his, and it's not logic. Logic is to keep it, because he will survive. And there's no people that would say, oh, you're a nice man, because most of the people anyhow will die. So there's just something that you really cannot trace. Why does he give this food to this person? Something you cannot trace. You can always trace if you do something cruel so why i mentioned this is that i'm still kind of i have maybe this kind of idea that i'm not sure about that you know you can talk a lot about art and about this and about that and this reason and that reason and ideas but i still think that there is like something you cannot explain the kind of very very basic desire to kind of express yourself and i think express yourself is not the right word i think the right word is more that you get born you know you're not born by yourself that would be more fair. You just get born by yourself, but you actually get born by somebody else, which means that you are actually left with a lot of stuff that doesn't belong to you. It's just from other people. And then you're put there, and then there's all these things going on. Your only child we tried with religion, you know. We tried for 100 years with religion, you know, to kind of establish this kind of unfair thing. But the other thing you can do, you can give something back, just kind of answer back, and I think that's where I'm kind of interested in art. The kind of possibility to answer back. Or even you can even argue sometime, maybe when you are angry, you could say it's your chance, you know, to put cigar in your mouth and just blow a little bit of smoke back in the face of, you know, the creator. Sometimes art is like this. It's just get you there, you know. Sometimes you understand, okay, I get you, I get you. You get it back. Something
0: like this. Thank you.